0: Oh, Stomping Jen. Yes. Welcome to the Soft Serve Podcast. Why,
1: thank you for having me. Of
0: which you are co-host.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I'm really excited for this episode. I love talking to artists. Mm -hmm. I feel we can all learn a lot from them. Mm -hmm. And on this show, we are going to be talking to Chris Bordenka. He... Is a painter and does other forms of art that we are going to talk to him about. Cool. I have many questions. Great. Are we ready to get into those questions? Yes. Okay, we'll talk to you on the other side of our intro music, which I wrote, by the way. A soft serve podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. All right, Stomping Jen.
1: You know, I bet you Chris could like paint us a creepy truck.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: That would be awesome.
0: Speaking of Chris, let's unmute him and say hi. Hello, Chris.
2: Hello. Hi. (laughs) Thank you
0: for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: As I said in kind of my intro, I absolutely love talking to artists. I feel we all have a lot to learn from artists, um, Stomping Gen, when it comes to um, talking to them about their process, Mm -hmm. um, how they kind of unpack the mental experience of creating art. Mm -hmm. So that's what I hope to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But Chris, before we dive in my long list of questions I have for you. Um, I want to give you a, an opportunity to just tell us a little bit more about yourself, kind of do your do your pitch for who you are and what you do. Sure.
2: Okay. So I am a painter. I live in Dodger Town here. Um, so I went to art school I dropped out of art school (laughs) I moved into uh, a cool house with a bunch of friends they were all other artists and musicians and we traveled around and we painted and played music and all that kind of good stuff for a long time and then uh, in the process of doing that I started painting murals because I was painting the walls of the house that we lived in because it was a roach motel basically Um, and I did a lot of murals in the house our landlord saw the murals that I was painting and rather than kick me out. He asked me to paint some in his house. Uh, and so that, so that started, a, a, a long 10 year, 15 year, uh, mural painting kind of business. I kind of fell into it. And, um, in the process while doing that, I, I went back to school and, um, I got my degree at, uh, UMass for painting and kept painting the murals. And then we had kids and then I stopped painting. Um, partially because of kids, but also partially because I started hating the murals that I was painting. Um, it just kind of ground into only painting Fenway Park murals for mm-hmm. like five years. Like that just, once that, once, once they won the world series, uh, it, it took off and it became the only thing I did for years. And I just like, I would do other things here and there, but it was so popular and so easy for me to do it, but it essentially made me hate painting. Um, and so I stopped uh, I stopped for almost 10 years and then wow. two years ago uh, after a series of kind of just trying to fix my life and kind of figure out back to kind of the, who the core of, of myself was uh, realized the, the kind of final missing piece in all of the things that I was doing to kind of better myself was that I wasn't painting anymore and I should probably start doing that again so I secretly started painting again in my kitchen i didn't tell anybody you know andrea knew obviously my wife and my kids but um i waited until i had a few under my belt because it was terrifying uh and frustrating and um but i I did it and i kept plugging away at it and um we're about two, two i started it was august of 2018 so we're just past two years of me painting again kind of for the first time and um this time around, I swore to myself what I was going to do with that. It was only going to be the things that I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ever going to be for anybody else. Nobody was going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to worry about anything like that or what I should be painting. So that's where I'm at now. And it's been honestly the best decision I've ever made. I mean, I wish I had made it sooner, but, you know, things happen the way they do for a reason. So. Yeah.
0: That is so interesting, Chris. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I, I kind of had a similar experience. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to be a writer, and I got a gig doing writing for a company that did training for pharmaceutical um, companies, so for the pharmaceutical industry, and I wrote all day long, every day, and it killed my love for writing. Like it absolutely crushed it out of me, squashed mm-hmm. it like a bug, and I've not gone back to it since. <laughs> it's been it's been um, almost ten years since but I it, left.
1: You tried it. Right? Okay, so it's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So,
0: um, I had a question for you actually about art school. Kind of the first time, um, yeah. When you you mentioned that you went and you dropped out, I was kind of curious about that first experience in art school in terms of. Um, did it meet your expectations about what art school was supposed to be? And like, what, what, what drove you to leave art school the first time around?
2: So the first year was everything I wanted it to be um, yeah. mostly sort of just traditional, um, you know, learning perspective and shading and, and figure drawing and life drawing and color theory and all of the sort of extreme basics. But at a, at a, high level. And so it was a blast. And I I thrived there because I was good at that. Like I knew Mm -hmm. how to make things look like other things. The second year, uh, they started trying to get everyone to move into abstraction and I'm talking like second year. So you've got kids that are, you know, 18, 17, 18, 19 year old kids trying to move into abstraction. And I just thought this is, this is bull. Like, all of the professors were phenomenal artists for you know in all kinds of media and and all kinds of styles and they all showed us their processes like their their kind of evolution of their careers and they all start off kind of you know doing somewhat realism and whatnot and then they evolved into abstraction and it's the same way that kind of art history the path that art history took where it starts off kind of you know, primitive, like a, like a kid, right? Like a toddler. And then it moves to the sort of like the Renaissance. It's really like realistic. And, um, and then it moved into like the fifties and sixties where you end up having like total abstraction, you know, and there's an evolutionary process there that you have to kind of go through. And I I just didn't feel like as a, as an 18 year old kid that I had any experience to understand what was happening. So I'm watching a lot of people throw paint around and oh, and oh, and oh, and I just didn't buy it. I didn't buy it at all. So I started skipping classes. I ended up finding a bunch of people to hang out with instead, and kind of that was the end of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Kind of my not knowing anything about um, art theory, um, my gut instinct would be um, abstraction or abstract art is something maybe that requires some experience in living life to really do. I don't know, like because it's it's an interpretation of of something right
1: it's so interesting sorry this yeah. is so random but you ever watch the uh, what is the name of that tattoo show that we like to watch sometimes ink master Ink master right we're oh, like yeah. we're like, like each artist has a specialized field or um what they like to do for tattooing and then like they want them to do like different uh you know kinds of you know like they wanted them to do new school and old school and traditional and like all this other stuff that's like not in their wheelhouse to kind of show their technicality in in tattooing skill or whatever so listening to you talk about like they taught us the fundamentals and then they skipped us right into abstraction it's like well if you're not ready for abstraction like how are you supposed to deal with that you know like what if you don't want to be there for abstraction and you just want to specialize in You know, real life, you know, still life or whatever. I guess they're, you know, what they were trying to do was like make you a a well rounded artist, but it sounds like it had a negative.
2: It felt like it jumped the gun. So here's the the ironic thing is that I um, was, so after that, I ended up moving out of my family's house into who one of my best friends who i still am close with he's also an artist his name is david stupakis and he's awesome and he and i shared a studio in his parents basement i basically lived there for a while and we would paint and he would you know do his thing and he was trying to get into comics at the time and i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do and i started messing around (laughs) with abstraction but it was figurative abstraction so it was sort of like keith herring but um a little messier and just um I moved into that world. And when I went back to UMass, um, I, I started to thrive. Now you're talking, I went back to UMass, I was 24, 25. So when I went, I had a lot more experience and I had kind of evolved into that place where I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. So while I was in school, all I did was huge abstract paintings. And I felt like I finally understood why people did it. And I had a professor who, who became friends with, I became friends with him after school was done. Um, his name was James Hendricks. And he was a, he did these massive abstract paintings and he and I could have conversations for hours about it. And mm-hmm. it made sense. And it was like, I had finally gotten to that point where I got it Mm -hmm. but it took all those years it couldn't just be thrown into it you know after one year of school
0: yeah that's interesting and um as a painter do you have a favorite um kind of like painting medium to work in like oil versus acrylics or watercolors when I look at your paintings which I'll describe in a minute kind of to our listeners um I don't, and I don't have much training at all in art or painting. I don't have a good sense of what, what they represent in terms of the medium. Could you talk to us a little mm-hmm. bit about what you like to work in?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I use primarily acrylic paints um, and that's, for a few reasons one of them is because it dries really quickly that's kind of the main reason and for me time is kind of i have we have three kids (laughs) and so and now we're you know now we're doing the homeschooling thing and all that with the covid and whatnot so i time is precious so it's really important for me to be able to jump in and jump out and when i come back the paint's dry i can go right back into it without worrying about it making a mess so acrylic does that that's kind of what it is it's plastic essentially you're painting with plastic oils they use pigment mixed into oils. They take longer to dry. There's a lot of different uh, techniques and processes there, and it's a wonderful medium. Um, I just don't, I just don't use it as much. I, I like to play with watercolors because that's fast and easy, and you can do it, you know, in the summertime at the beach and that kind of thing. But yeah. I tend to stick to the acrylic. Yeah, mm-hmm. the
0: watercolors do they require a lot of um, wow. technical mastery, right? I mean, they're I, from what I under from what I understand, it, it's like well, there's, hard there's, to, learn um, to
2: do. Yeah, I guess. Th- yeah, there's so you, you need to know how to draw. Um, I think that's the foundation for anything mm-hmm. in art is to be able to draw. And then with watercolors, the paper is your white. That is, your paper is your light source. Like you don't have white in acrylic in watercolor. So when you put down mm-hmm. your colors, you have to be careful because as soon as you cover up anything that's a highlight you can't go back so it's it's not forgiving that way um so that's where i think a lot of people see watercolor as being uh really technically difficult and there are you know hardcore um people who are strict about it right like it's not considered watercolor if you go in with some white gouache after the fact to just kind of add some highlights and stuff like that and That's great. Like, I understand why people would do that. I just, I don't adhere to that. If I'm going to paint something and it's using watercolor and I need to throw in some white at the end of it, I'm doing it because for me, I'm trying to create a final image. I'm not trying to stick to the rules. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite? Um, Recognizing all of the benefits of acrylics that you explained to us, do you have a favorite medium? Like if, if, if time was of no consideration and, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, about the paintings yeah. drying fast. Do you have a favorite type of painting?
2: I, I, I think at this point, just because I've grown into the acrylic so much that it would be that, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 don't have to think about it as much when I'm using it, which is great because then it gets out of the way. Like the, you don't want the medium to be in your way while you're trying to make something and you don't want it to constantly be thinking about all of those things. And it's like, I'm at a point now in my life where, I just want to make the image, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to the place where I can paint it as fast as I possibly not paint it quickly, but get to the point where I could paint it. So rather than drawing it out, you know, sitting there and drawing it out by hand, like I'll just throw a projection up now, I'll, I'll shoot photographs of my setups, I'll project it on, I'll do the outline. And it's like, it used to be a horrible sin to say you trace something as, a, as an artist, right? It's like, going back to I don't know, the renaissance times they were projecting onto their canvases to make them bigger they were doing like these pinhole cameras that were project on so they could get larger you know images and things like that because the idea for me it's not i know i can draw but i don't yeah. i don't want to draw i want to I paint you know mm-hmm.
0: yeah i think that surprised me when i read about that that um a lot of painters or most painters do some type of um, projection or tracing to kind of get started with the painting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I don't know where I saw this or where I read about it, but, um, like Chris just said, like they were doing this. Yeah. They were doing this back in the 16th century. Like, um, it's like an ancient, um, painting technique. Um, I thought that's fascinating. Speaking of process, um, one of the things you do that I absolutely love, and I want to encourage all of our listeners to go watch these videos, is you do these time-lapse videos kind of of your process. Um, Since we don't have the benefit of being able to show a video here, we're not a video um, podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Chris, if you can talk a little bit kind of, Roughly about what your process is like. So you've you've seen a thing you want to paint. Um, walk us through what that how you how you get from that point to a finished painting. I'm, I think people might be curious about that.
2: Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna use visuals for you guys, but I'll explain it as I do it. Just because I'm sitting in my studio and I just set up. So I have a still life that I set up over here, and you can kind of see the. Ouija board and his oh awesome a little gargoyle and a candle and the lava lamps not part of it That's please please tell
0: my- me you're gonna paint that Ouija board
2: so right so that what happens is I'll have an idea for something that I want to kind of make like I'll have an object that sits around for a while and I look at it I think about it and it's just kind of in the back of my mind and it's been there and so this Ouija board it's just a placemat but it's been hanging on my wall for a few years and I have another one that I use when I like paint I'll use it as like a mat so I don't get paint on my desk and so trying to figure out what I was going to do next uh usually requires a lot of time like it's you know like a kind of a day where I get to play Mm -hmm. and I just start Playing, I either have I have a lot of toys everywhere, and I have all these little doodads. And I start setting things up, and I just kind of like start imagining if there's a story in my mind that I'm just kind of playing with it. And and really, that's all it is until I finally come up with a configuration that I think looks good. And then I'll get the camera out and I'll start lining it all up. And I play with the lighting and I shift it around until I get some good dramatic lighting. Once I have a good shot, um, depending on if it needs. Um, some elements here and there. Sometimes I forget to add something. So I'll go back and I'll just take another picture and I'll Photoshop it in. Like So like I I wanted to have some wedding rings here and I forgot to do that. So I just put them in, took the shot and then Photoshop them into my image. And then I project that onto the canvas. Once it's on the canvas uh, with the projection, I just trace out the outlines with the pencil. So then once I have that set up, i can just start painting so here's the the beginning of the painting i don't know if it's uh, at it correctly.
0: Okay. yeah i could see that but,
2: so yes yeah,
0: so wild. there it is there's the there is the 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 um a painting of what you just showed us that was sitting on your desk that's kind of in progress and part of that is that ouija board yeah okay all right so you so it looks like you kind of um you create kind of like a physical representation of a thing you want to paint. Then you take a picture of it, you project it onto the canvas, then you kind of trace that out and then you do the actual painting of it. Okay. And, and, and your time-lapse videos kind of show that whole process for the the most part. Yeah. The
2: time-lapses, they usually start with um, the painting because kind of everything else is a little chaotic and would be hard, I guess would hard to, To show, but the painting part is what the um, time lapse is. And I used to actually do it. um, I had a studio in Indian Orchard Mills Mm -hmm. um, back in like 2006, 2007. And when I was there, I was doing, I was painting murals in there. Like I would paint them on big canvases and I would take them to the places and install them like big pieces of wallpaper, basically, because I found that to be way easier than spending three days in someone's house. Um, So, but when I was painting my abstract paintings there, I had a whole setup with like, I had a, ca- a camera that I had to set up. I had a computer with a, like special software and it was a whole th- ordeal to try to do time-lapse back then. And then I'd end up with like a, you know, a, a tiny little four eighty by whatever it was at the time to upload to YouTube. And it was, you know, nowhere near what you could do now. with just an iPhone. Like yeah. seriously, like I just put my phone on it and I light it and that's it. I just put the time-lapse on the phone.
1: Yeah. And- you do them in one
2: setting? No, no, no. So I I have, I have a few, like, uh, there's a painting behind me that one I do. So every once in a while I'll take a small canvas and I'll do like a one day painting Mm -hmm. and I'll try to blast through it as fast as I can. And, um, when I do those, there's no drawing. I'll just start the painting right away and just try to get it, um, in one sitting like that. Most of the time though, it's a few hours here, a few hours there kind Mm -hmm. of over the course of a few weeks.
0: Is there something that you like or, about doing the one day paintings or doing them that way gives you creatively that the longer process doesn't
2: yeah so the longer process you by the end of a bigger painting that takes a long time you wind up at the end and it's it's all details right so you're kind of like on this real micro level where you're looking at everything and you're seeing like you're seeing tiny little areas that, that either need to be fixed or whatever. And you kind of finally, when you're like, okay, I think this is done. Like I, at this point, if I add any more marks to this thing, like the brush is so tiny that the marks that I'm making at this point are, are not even making a difference. All I could really do is ruin it at this point. So I'm done. And when you come out of that, kind of my my perspective is still kind of hyper-focused. And so it makes it difficult to want to start, or I I want to start the next painting right away, but it makes it difficult because I have to shift my perspective from sort of micro to the macro. Because when you start a painting, right, it's all messy, it's all ugly, and you're doing big, broad gestures and big, broad areas to kind of cover the canvas, to fill it in and block everything in. Mm -hmm. But that shift is so dramatic that it 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 almost makes makes me feel kind of like i'm terrible again like oh no like i don't even know what i'm doing like it, it requires a shift so sometimes i'll throw in those single day paintings because it's a way to force myself to loosen up right like i force myself into like making snap decisions and not thinking too hard about it in the beginning and then getting to the end quickly. And it's, it's really satisfying when it works.
0: Yeah. And that's what I think that is what I find fascinating about these time-lapse videos. Like I can just watch them endlessly, like time-lapse videos for anything fascinate Mm -hmm. me, but like for the paintings, it just, it struck me how procedural like it is and how process oriented it is. And I just, I thought that was fascinating considering the final product which is such an artistic expression and um and i'll get to what my kind of impression of your paintings is in, in one second but i've got to ask you for our listeners like what types of things do you like to paint
2: so i right now it tends to be i have a lot have i've been a collector of things kind of since i was a kid <laughs> Um, I had collected comic books and mad magazines and transformers and, you know, just on and on GI Joe, all that stuff. And that stuff never really left me. Um, so it's funny cause a lot of people might look at what I'm doing and think that it's sort of like this nostalgia trip where I'm like harkening back to when I was a kid and I kind of am. However, we live in this post nostalgic world, right? Where you don't really lose anything anymore. We have access to everything that's ever existed in our lifetimes. Right. And so I still have a lot of my own stuff and a lot of other people do. And so that's kind of what I, what I, what I love to kind of tap into is those feelings and, and, and those objects. And I try to like create sort of moods here and there with some of the stuff, but a lot of it's like, yeah, a lot of it's, a lot of it's toys.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's just for our listeners, like I'm looking at your office right now and I see um
1: a
2: gremlin. a
0: gremlin behind <laughs> you. I think that's scar. Behind you, I see like a bunch of figurines, like an Alfred E. Newman, a Ghostbusters, Stay Puff Marshmallow, Rubik's cubes, like a bunch of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and I think we might be of the same age, roughly. And a lot we of this, yeah. a lot of this stuff, yeah. like, harkens back to right. my childhood, and maybe right. that's why I respond to it. Right. And so, um, when I look at your paintings, into my untrained eye, like, I feel like you have a style. Like if somebody showed me a lineup of paintings, I could be like, "Oh yeah, Chris painted that one, mm-hmm. right?" And that's super cool. Yeah, like what they evoke in me. I'm just gonna share, like my feelings <laughs> when I look at them. I wrote this down. Is like oh, kind good. of, they have a ethereal kind of otherworldly quality to them. Kind of like I'm seeing the things that I'm familiar with, but like they're existing in another dimension. Mm-hmm. Like the colors are just like, they're like slightly not off is the wrong word, but they're different. And they're, they evoke, I don't know how to say it. They evoke this otherworldly feeling in me. Like, <laughs> like this is another universe uh-huh. of the same That's stuff. cool. I, I like it. I don't know. Yeah. Stomping Jen, what do you think?
1: Yeah. So, so I'm a huge fan of Chris's work. Um, because I feel like he speaks to the 15-year-old that I still am. So, and I like a lot of, like, street art and vibrant colors and just that, like, graphic-looking kind of stuff. Um, so, like, toys aside, you know, it's, for me, it's the aesthetic that he is using that really kind of yeah. speaks to me. It's it's the same kind of, like, art that I enjoy looking at. So, um and plus, like, just having followed you on social media, I find that we have a lot of, um, interests in common, <laughs>
2: so,
1: yeah, you know, so, so I think that it's no, you know, real, you know, mystery why, uh, I like his art so much, yeah. so.
0: And and I'm like and I'm thinking of a recent one that you, you posted of a um a Western Massachusetts like ice cream drive-in Cindy's. Um, called Cindy's Drive-in. Uh, Chris yep. is holding it up. Now. I
1: really want a print of that. I think it's awesome. Yeah,
0: it it is. And like, I re- I look at that and I recognize it as Cindy's Drive-in, but it also feels to me like it's in another it could universe. Could exist anywhere. Yeah. Right? So. Christy have you ever thought about like how you would describe your style is that something you stay away from as an artist or yeah. I'm curious, I'm curious. okay
2: <laughs> I do yeah 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 I love hearing what other people think though
0: yeah um, when you <clears throat> I think you mentioned this earlier um, just as we were talking um, when you sit down to do a painting do you try to evoke a certain feeling like can you do you sit down and say this one I want to be scary or this one I want to be nostalgic like
2: yeah yeah there's a um one of my favorite ones uh is a painting I have of a I made of a gumball machine that I ordered mm-hmm. online and it's an old you know red gumball machine and in it I put a bunch of like um so spooky toys right like so there's like a mad ball in there and there's some like, like skulls and some eyeballs and like a switchblade you know um and there was a skull next to it the candle lit. And I remember when I was doing it the whole time, all I could think about was in my town, I grew up in uh, Waltham out in Eastern mass. And the whole time I was painting and I kept thinking about this place that we used to have, it was called J and S smoke shop. It was J and N or J and S. I don't know. It was, a, it was a smoke shop, but they also had uh, like those awesome, halloween masks that were like terrifying in the Mm -hmm. 80s Mm -hmm. and so like you'd walk into this place and it smelled like tobacco and they had like the the special adults only room in the back that had like the swinging western doors and but just up on the wall they had all these like scary scary masks and then in the front at the counter under this glass counter they had all these like novelty jokes, like um, like the hand buzzers and the x-ray glasses and like fake dog poop, all that stuff was in there. And this place just had this quality. It was like um, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure mm-hmm. when he goes to that magic shop it, it, it felt like that it, it was a very distinct feeling and a smell and the entire time I painted I just that's all I could think about and all I was trying to kind of pour into how it looked when I was finished and I, I think I succeeded with that one I don't always but that one I really feel like I nailed it
0: yeah and I'm guessing there was a portal to another dimension in the back of that smoke shop that's <laughs> <laughs> there has to be uh, way- <laughs>
2: yeah well hopefully we can figure out how to get back through it because <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um do you have a, um, I don't even, this may be a stupid question, but it comes out of total ignorance. Um, do you have a favorite like painting style that you like to paint in? Are there different painting styles? Uh,
2: I mean, I, I suppose, I mean, I suppose if you want to think about like there's, you know, hyper realism, like photorealism, and that kind of thing. And then yeah. there's like more impressionist. I talk about this with my son a lot. Um, he's 18. He wants to go to art school and he's learning all of the basics right now. And he's really skilled and he's working really hard at it. And we talk about style because it's a trap that, um, people fall into, right. Where they want to like find their style, find their style, find their style. And a lot of people will mimic the people they admire for a long time until they eventually reach a place where they're kind of doing, I guess, their own style. And, um, the way that we figured it and the way that I kind of, I feel like I learned more in the last two years, kind of about myself as a painter than I did all of the rest of my life before that, because this is the first time where I'm just kind of like, I'm just going to make it like, however it comes out is how it comes out. So if if there's a style that's recognizable to people, that's fantastic because it certainly wasn't like an intentional thing, which to me means that it's organic and it's natural and it's the right way. It should be. It's how it should be, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, thinking, thinking about your return to painting a couple of years ago, can you just talk a little bit more about, that period when you begin to feel called back to painting and if you can remember like what talk to us a little bit about what that was like and when you first sat back down at the canvas what did you paint
2: uh okay so it was a long (laughs) long trip um (laughs) it was a long road uh there was a process there Um, I'm trying to think of the fastest way to say this. So when our kids were little, um, when they were two and three, they're, you know, 18 and 19 right now, when they were two and three, I used to drive around with them in the back of a minivan and they would fall asleep. That's how you get kids to take a nap. Mm -hmm. And I would find these really cool rundown old signs. Like the first one I ever did was like drive-in movie sign. Mm. And it had like this big, cool arrow that curved around. And you could see that there were lights that had been, you know, used to be there. So anyway, it was just decrepit and falling apart. I loved it. So I would park in front of signs like that and I would paint them in my sketchbook. And it was like a quick, not quick. It was three hours. Cause the kids would just conk out yeah. and I would crank them out. And I did a few of those and I would go around and I found like, Um, the signs that you find in front of like strip malls, the tall ones. And I was calling those uh, the new American totems because they were kind of like totem poles. But instead of having like symbolic things, they had all these other symbols that Mm -hmm. are current in American. there's stores and all that. Mm -hmm. And I I really got into that for a while. So that was kind of like the last uh, thing that I painted for myself that was representational and kind of, I guess that was sort of like the last place that I felt like I was doing my own thing, right? So fast forward uh, to, you know, 15 years later, uh, I subsequently started to exercise, started working out a lot, doing a lot of races, stopped drinking, stopped smoking, and kind of in the process of all these things, what I was trying to do was kind of peel myself back to my core, right? Who I was as, at my core and kind of like, well, who, who was that? Like, what was that time where I was my most myself. Right. And it was like around 15. It was like 14 and 15. Cause I yeah. started to smoke when I was 14. I started drinking when I was 15, but like, that was the moment where I was kind of like the truest to myself. So after I had stopped all those things, it was kind of like, well, now what, what's next? What's the next step in this evolution? I stopped drinking, I'm working out I'm running around. I don't smoke anymore. The other part of myself that I feel like is missing is this. And so I just sat down and the first thing I did was a, a sign from um the mall up in uh the berkshires the berkshire mall is like half dead and i that was the very first thing i did was actually you know what i lied the first thing i painted was the burger king that was on route nine that was sitting there empty for like years Mm -hmm. and i kept driving i kept driving by it i kept driving by it and i was like you know what i gotta take pictures of this burger king because someday it's gonna be gone they're gonna knock this thing down soon and i ended up getting a shot of the um drive through the old drive-through sign with the, the speaker, and it was all empty, and that was the first thing I painted. I kind of did it on a piece of paper. I did it like almost non-committally. It was trashy. Actually, I got it right here, um, <laughs> and it's not great. It's not great. It's ugly, but it was my first thing mm. ever. It's not uh, ugly. <laughs> well, <laughs> relative to to where <laughs> I am at now. <laughs> Thank you, though. So that was the uh, that was the first that was the first thing. It was kind of jumping back into those old kind of decrepit signs. I love that.
0: Was coming to painting or coming back into painting as somebody who wasn't drinking or smoking and being more fit? Was painting different for you? Did it, f- yeah, it
2: was way better? Way way yeah. better. I mean. Painting murals, I would not paint those while I was drunk, obviously. Uh, Definitely did some while I was hung over, and that's never fun. And um, back when I, you know, had um, my apartment full of friends that we were all, you know, artists and musicians and all that stuff, like, we definitely had a lot of fun, and I would be painting. And it's like, when you're painting and you're drinking, it's like, you feel like you're flowing, and it feels great. And nine out of ten times, it's like, uh, you're just sloppy, you know? And so the feeling of, um, actual control now over what I'm doing is, is, is a lot more, um, pronounced.
0: Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'll talk a little bit about this because we've talked about it before here on the podcast. Like when we started doing podcasting two years ago, um, you know, I think at least for the first year and a half, you know, I would drink during every show, you know, like sometimes kind of more excessively mm-hmm. than I should have been. <laughs> and like, well, they were in some ways at the time, I thought that was fun to do. Like mm-hmm. now kind of doing this from a um, more like, or fully, I, fully sober perspective. Mm-hmm. Like it really resonates with me what you're saying about the control right? Like over the artistic process. Mm-hmm. Stopping Jen. This is art, by the way. I see that skeptical look. Oh, i No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm busting your, your balls. Me? I didn't yeah. say
1: a word when um, you busting me no, for. No, but I,
0: I think there is, there's something about that. Like what you're saying is connect, connecting with the artistic process more well, deeply.
1: I think that's just, you know, it's, uh, it's the alcohol-centric culture that we live in that people think that you know drinking makes you more creative and more fun and more this and more that and it's sort of a fallacy when you stop
0: and it might for some yeah. people right yeah. and, and I, d- I don't know I'm not an epidemiologist or right. we're not statistician. judging anybody out there right,
1: right oh yeah no 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 oh I
0: am but um, <laughs> no I'm
1: not <laughs> judging no what a I'll say is person.
0: what I'll, what I'll say is based on my own experiences I think for the people that produce better art under the influence of drugs or alcohol, that's probably a narrow slice mm-hmm. of the population. Mm-hmm. That's cool. just my gut. Right. Um, anyways, I just, I really appreciate, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, one, uh, thing I want to go back to, no, go ahead. He yeah, said. please. Sorry.
1: Like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, go ahead. I apologize. Uh, you were talking about, like, signs being totem poles, like American totem poles and stuff. Yeah. Like, did you read American Gods? Did you know
2: where I was going with this? I have read that. I did yeah. not know where you are going with it, though. Yeah. I-, I read it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That just evoked that for me. It's not really even a question. I'm sorry. But, like, they, you know, that's, like, what the novel's all really about.
0: Um, yeah. Um, that sketchbook where you would um, stop um, when the kids were sleeping, do you still have that?
2: I think it's I think it's right one. here. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, those are st- okay, so Chris is showing us a picture of one of those signs and it looks like a sign on Route 1 in Boston. It looks
2: like a picture.
0: Um
1: I
2: mean this is down um Route 1 in Attleboro, I think North Attleboro.
0: Look at me in my Massachusetts geog- geography. Awesome. But I mean yeah.
1: that, that looks like a photograph from but when you first
0: We missed the most important things do Yes, that your
1: geographical prowess. Yes,
0: I got it. I looked at that um <laughs> So have you published these in any way? Have you put those out there? Those are amazing. Uh,
2: thank you. Uh back in the day, I had a, you know, I had a website back then. Yeah. This is it, it's funny cuz this is the stuff that's all new to me where I don't even know really. Like I I just that's the first one. Or that's the one I was talking about the the drive right, uh, the drive-in, the drive-in, drive-in in sign. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love drive-ins.
0: That is amazing to me that you drew that sitting in a minivan
2: with your kids sleeping in the car. <laughs>
1: did you draw that with like pens pencils
2: no this is paint I I painted it I just yeah I just had a little had a little tiny um plastic palette and squirted some paint on there and uh it's pretty small
1: so that just like you can paint anywhere like I I say that naively like you know like our daughter's into painting and I bought her all this paint she's like and how I don't have a place to paint like throw her in the back of the van yeah
2: no, I I I have where I paint right now. It's probably like five by five. Like the, yeah. the 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 room is like ten by ten, but the actual place where I paint, I used to really get hung up on because I you know, murals are big, so that was important, obviously space. But but when I was painting for myself, I got really hung up on needing space because I would mm-hmm. paint these big, broad, abstract paintings. Um, back there's a that's a that's a, that's a small one wow. back there.
0: Oh yeah! Um, Look at that. See
2: graffiti. And that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely had that vibe <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But so, I, I used to get really hung up on needing space for that stuff, and it's like now, you know, it's I don't need that. Not for what I'm doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- mean,
0: I mean, I think that's a really good point. Um, so I'm thinking about the Stephen King book on writing, where he talks about the craft of writing, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that is. Well, if you want to be a writer, you write, right? Write, and you, you write wanna, anywhere. Right. And he he talks about how he would work all day as a teacher, he would come home and sit in his laundry room mm-hmm. on a card table, like a little TV dinner table or mm-hmm. something, and with his typewriter and write right. like until three in the morning. Right. And I'm just like, so I think when you feel called, Mm-hmm. to the process and by the art form right. you just do matter. it yeah. like that's what yeah. I, that's what i'm hearing
1: can i just also yeah. point out that oh, the color of the walls in his little studio
2: i noticed that too <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i um so um chris is also wearing a slea stack t-shirt yes. and um, okay. listeners of this podcast right. will know i also do a land of the lost podcast <laughs> and i'm a huge fan of that show and it is green as well
1: Yes, but with the listener, yes, green. So this was the color that I chose for the wall. Yeah. This was my win because he doesn't like the color green.
0: I'm not a big fan uh. of green. <laughs> um, so, so I'm thinking about those sketches in that book and maybe other paintings you've done. Um, do you ever think about going back to paintings you've completed and redoing them or adding to them? Like when a painting is done, is it done in your mind? It's
2: done. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. I'll 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 give myself kind of a day, a day and a half after I think it's finished to kind of run back and like tweak something a little bit here and there. But um no, I, I gotta once it's done, I gotta move on. I don't even like to paint the same thing more than one time mm. like the same object or the same I, I have done it and it depends if the context works where it's kind of like mixed in with other things but it's like i was telling one of my kids how i, I missed uh a painting that i sold because i've had a hard time letting originals go mm. uh which is problematic if you want to make money as an artist to not want to sell them but mm. uh, he was like you could just paint it again and i was like I, I can't i can't i just mm. i can't do it
0: is there so a lot of artists sell prints, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a way yeah. of hanging mm-hmm. on to the original
1: or it's a way of keeping it, right?
0: That's right.
2: It's I mean. a way of keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. That's what I do. Kind of there's I've let a few of the originals go. I generally regret it yeah. <laughs> like immediately. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. It, it's one of those things where I'm going to have to start to do soon because our house is like, mm-hmm. it's, there's no more wall space left in our house. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, I want to think about how to ask this question. Um, are there any parts of the painting process you don't like?
2: Yeah. Well. Okay. So, well, two things. First, to go back to the calling side of things, like the the Stephen King uh, story, mm-hmm. that's I think about that a lot, and it's because um, I I feel it so strongly now. And when I wasn't painting, I could also feel it. And it came in the form of sort of like depression, right? Where like, I'm not even doing this thing that I so identify with as a part of who I am. And I haven't done it for so long that all of the people I've met in the last five or 10 years don't even know I can do it. Let alone that it's like what the people who knew me before know me as. Right. And now that I'm doing it again, I just keep thinking to myself, uh, I guess when I started again, I, I, I had this realization that I wasn't going to do it for anyone, right? And I mean that by like the idea of what you're supposed to do in your head. Like what does a, what does a gallery want to see or what do yeah. other people want to see or how should I be doing this or what's popular or any of those millions of things that tell you what you should be doing. This kind of moment where I was like, I'm not going to do that. It freed me up in a way where I was like, oh, now I understand. I'm going to do this no matter what like no matter what anyone says or thinks I'm still going to keep doing this. And so that, that, that Stephen King story, I, I completely can relate to. Um, and then what was your other question?
0: Oh, uh, are there that. any parts of the process that you the struggle pro- with yes. or don't
2: like? Or So, so yeah. So, and this relates because <laughs> I have to remind myself of that sometimes because there's a point in the middle of a painting where it's awful. Like, you're not, you're excited. You're in between the excitement of starting a painting, right? Where it's like really fast and it's passionate and you're excited and you're just laying stuff out and, you know, you work for a few hours and you feel like, Oh, I covered so much ground. It's great. From there until the end, there's a, there's a chunk of time that is just tedious and it's messy and it's ugly and you start to doubt everything, or at least I do. I, I start mm-hmm. to doubt my abilities and it's and it's it makes my family crazy because they're like, You do this every time. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> But it feels so real, you know, it feels so really real that it's like, I am terrible. I don't even know how I did that last painting. That that guy wasn't even me, you know? How do you so that's push, the part I don't like?
0: How do you push through that self doubt? How do you push through those feelings that are trying to drag you down and away from finishing that painting?
2: So you literally do have to push through it. I have to push through it. And um, so we do, you know, like Spartan races, those obstacle races that people did for a long time. Well, there weren't any this year, but I got way into those back in like 2013. And it was something that was totally out of character for me. My brother invited me to do one one year and I was immediately hooked. And I've done probably about a hundred in the last six years of all different kinds of obstacle races. And there's something that happens in those and they're long and they're arduous. And you are, some of the races are so difficult where you're you're just questioning your, like, your existence. Like you would feel better <laughs> if you could just lay down and die on the side <laughs> of the mountain and finish going up, you know, Killington. And in all of those things, like it taught me a lot about myself. And this was kind of on that path to getting healthy again. And it taught me a lot about kind of pushing through and getting to the other sides of things. And so I definitely apply those lessons to the painting process now
0: Mm. that's
2: That's so interesting
0: (laughs) no because i mean geez like i feel that way about almost every creative thing i'm involved (laughs) with no i mean and you know almost every episode stomping general tell you this almost every episode of the podcast i'm just like uh. I, I I can't do this, I don't know what questions to ask, I don't know anything about this or that, and, you know, I just have to sit down, put my mind, try to put my mind in, you know, try to think from the point of view of the person we're going to talk to, and then it's just with that effort, it comes together. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then, then it, you're always like jazzed when it's over.
0: Oh, I know. I'm bouncing. Yeah. Off, I'm bouncing off the walls because I, you know, yeah. it's the get into talking to people right. and you learn so much from them. Right.
1: And like you know, when you're like, oh, I really don't know. Like I'm just not feeling it tonight. I'm always like, if you just w- once we start, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, and that <laughs> didn't, ha- true. Uh, it's that it's didn't happen. That didn't
0: happen tonight. Yeah, I, yeah. I would. I would. I would never. I would never reveal. <laughs> to, yeah to no no, no. I don't say these things <laughs> but, to call you out. But either. in all, in all in all honesty that did not happen tonight. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> That's okay if it did. Happens yeah. to me every time I sit in front of the, <laughs> the canvas with <laughs> I don't know. Um
0: what is there a specific part of the process you really enjoy like more than other parts is it the end when you can put the yeah. like brush down and say this is finished?
2: It's not so much the end it's the last it's the last leg of the painting right where all of a sudden there's this point where you hit a groove. Like you kind of like figure out the painting, right? Like the whole time you're working on it, it's almost like I'm wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. And then this moment happens where it's like, it clicks. Like you, I can see what I'm doing. I can see where everything is supposed to go and I can see how it's supposed to look. And from that moment on, I'm like on fire. And I'll be, I could go like easily, I could go four five, six hours almost straight with that happening. Cause it's like a just intense, like, feeling of, of pro like pro, progress, right? It's very satisfying because mm. you're just making all this, And then, and then when you're finished, like when I finish, I'm just like, that's yeah, that was it. That was it.
0: Do you ever lose time? Like when you're painting?
2: Yeah. That's what I hope for all the time. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I strive for. That's what I want. I want that flow all the time. I was just going to say so that. You love that. That's you, the you flow You talk state. about that
1: concept all the time. Yeah. yeah. flow. Oh,
2: I love it. The flow state, I
0: know. Yeah. I got my master's in um, educational theory so we spent a lot of time talking about, um, the guy who developed that, mm-hmm. I'm going to geek out his, his name is Chicksman High. Mm. Um, he, I think he's
1: Chicksman High,
0: European, mm-hmm. um, philosopher or mm-hmm. educational scientist, an early one. Anyways, he developed the whole theory mm-hmm. of, um, flow yeah. and it's a real thing. Like I used to experience oh, yeah. it when writing, I could sit down and like look up and like seven hours have gone yeah. by
1: so interesting
0: yeah have you ever experienced flow stomping Jen
1: I'm just thinking like I'm thinking about listening to Chris talk about his process yeah and
0: seem like you've got a thought in there (laughs) let's pull it out
1: so I do collage art which you know sometimes Mm -hmm. we talk about or whatever and I don't do it very often but sometimes I do it and It's like that for me, like when I don't know what I'm doing, like I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to cut some stuff out and then I'm going to play with it. And then I'm going to like figure out how it goes together. And then it does, it like goes together. And then I'm like, okay, it's done. Like, so like I get that whole process and, and, and I never really thought about like how that actually goes about, but like just listening to Chris talk about his process. Yeah. It's kind of like when I do those collages, that's how it like comes I don't know if it's flow so much.
0: Flow is like when you're going along, not so that the, the output is exactly matched to the, um, level of input in such a way yeah. that you don't think about it in yeah. any way. You just like on autopilot. Well, I
1: don't think about it when I'm collaging, yeah. like I'm just okay. moving things yeah. around and like, I'm just thinking about where they go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm okay. just going to stop talking about. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> collaging. Yeah.
0: um, this is kind of a stupid, silly question. Um, can you think of something really funny that's happened to you when you're painting that you weren't expecting? Uh, <laughs> like you I fell, mean, as- like you I, fell I, asleep I, or like... In- <laughs> no,
2: I, I get, I get, my, my, everybody scares me all the time. Like I'll, because I'll, if you're in that zone, right? Like yeah. if I, sometimes, I, sometimes I paint in the kitchen and I'm in the kitchen, I'm in full view of the house, but I'm not, aware of what's going on around me at all so the next thing i know there's a person saying actually i scream at the top of my lungs <laughs> and they all they everyone thinks it's hysterical like if i'm in if i'm in here and somebody opens that door i'm like, like i'll jump out of my chair and scream that's <laughs> funny that's yeah. about it not very funny but it happens yeah. a lot
1: yeah
0: so here, here's a something that i've often wondered um even outside of this conversation um like in painting like how do you undo a mistake in a painting if you see you one paint right
2: over it you can paint right over it <laughs> yeah that i mean that's that's one of the beauties of acrylics too is because they're like if you do oil you can wipe it off right you can mm-hmm. you can add some turpentine or whatever thinner and wipe it off with acrylics you can just paint right over it so the mistake that would be fatal would be something that happened from the outset and it would be like compositionally and it would be, you know, just the whole thing, would not work for other reasons? But as far as like a wrong mark, that's not something to ever worry about because you can just always go right over it. It's just you, like pencils and erasers.
0: Do you make a lot of mistakes as you're going along that you have to, undo? Yeah, the whole,
2: the whole time, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole, the whole thing is one big mistake oh, until gosh. it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it, that's kind of how it goes, but you have to be, um, you have, that's, that's the deal, right? You got to be comfortable when you. Every time you do a painting, it's like you're learning. Every time I do a painting, it's like I'm I'm learning that painting, right? So I have to be okay making all the mistakes because I've never painted this painting before this way with these colors and with this light. Like I have used paint and all that before, but it's just like um, I guess with like a dancer, right? If a dancer is learning a, a new dance and they have to go through all the choreography, they know all the moves. They just have to learn the order, the sequence of it, and they have to be okay making all those mistakes until they get there, yeah. you know? And so it's the same thing.
0: And I wonder even, this is like something I, I think about all the time as somebody who does like presentations and speaking in public, like uh, part of my language, like I fuck shit up all the time, but nobody, <laughs> nobody knows, right? Because right? uh-huh. like What's one of the things, about? well, but one of the things I've learned to do in that process, is you just move ahead, right? right. And you don't you don't show your hand. Right. And I'm like, I was just thinking about Chris talking about the dancer. Right. Like I'm sure during a live high stakes performance, mistakes get made, but they know how to, they know how to move Keep beyond going, them, yeah. work around them, mm-hmm. and in that context, make corrections, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to hear Chris's thoughts on this, I think, is like people can look at a finished painting that's so beautiful, that looks so perfect and not recognize that on the journey to something that is so amazing, like the process itself was filled with mistakes <laughs> and the artist had to, why are you laughing?
1: Like it's so applicable to everything. I'm thinking about like it a
0: is, person. Yeah, it
1: really is. Like oh. I'm thinking about like a kid and like a person, like, a you know, See, something. I feel
0: like I just had a revelation. Yeah.
1: <laughs> How but dare you. Why. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's very it good. It is. It is good stuff.
0: Yeah. Um Okay, so I'm gonna make an observation, Chris. Um you look like you're a very fit person. Like <laughs> like physically fit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm turning the camera off now. Um, Let me put my shirt back on. <laughs> Thank no, you. I I, you
0: no, I'm just saying. You look like you're in good shape. Like we're doing a video um, interview here, right? Stomping Jen. You're ridiculous. Okay, well, just to ask your question. Um, So, stopping, Jen, you're derailing me at every turn. I am not, I am not. (laughs) The reason I'm bringing that up is because painting to me seems like it's very physical, right? And then it can have an impact on your body over time if you're painting for hours and hours a day. Um, So, A, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, have you noticed that painting itself impacts you physically and like... What kind of stuff do you, if if it does, what do you do to um, compensate for those
2: effects? So my shoulder is like jacked up. Like it's, it's just the, the knots in my shoulder are forever. Like there's no amount of massage or like rolling a lacrosse ball against the wall with my back. That's going to get them out. And I think it's just because I'm constantly, I have my arm almost at a 90 degree angle for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely that other than that, um, you know, Andrea, my wife got us into all kinds of working out and now we do CrossFit and all that. So, um, I think maintaining that level of fitness helps prevent a lot of the things that could possibly happen, like neck issues and, mm-hmm. you know, all that other stuff. So Yeah.
0: Um, yeah <laughs> no I know other other artists we've talked to have like but
2: yeah like tattoo
1: artists yeah. have chronic pain because they're bent over they're dealing with yeah. a vibrating like machine mm-hmm. uh-huh. all day long for hours and
0: one artist I spoke with um, like once fucks up your was telling me like a huge number of tattoo artists have um, pain medicine addiction, addiction issues yeah um, you know, in, in that industry because of the, the physical demands of right. the craft. Um, right. And that always stuck with me. So I'd like to ask that question. Um, all right. So, okay. So y- you've been painting a long time. Um, does being a painter and understanding the process impact how you look at other paintings? Like, does that kind of change yeah. your enjoyment of them or does it make it more enjoyable lessen your enjoyment of like knowing how I, the sausage I, is made
2: i think it makes it more enjoyable i i love i love getting i i, I used to get yelled at at uh, museums for getting too close to paintings because i'd stick my nose right up there because i love <laughs> seeing how something was done right mm-hmm. yeah uh, i i, I it, it, it's like Some, I'm trying to think of how I want to say what I want to say. Um, So I make the paintings that I make and um, people look at them and they see the picture of the, you know, the Cindy's or like the, the toys or whatever it is. And, and that's what they respond to. And that's awesome. And that's, that's a huge part of the intent. But then um, I have my friend that I mentioned before, uh, David, he, he's somebody who we started together and have seen each other's processes grow over our entire lives. And so I love to see his work because I love to see where he's come. But I also know how he does what he does. I I see how he got there and I can I love to look at his work. And I, I, I love that when other artists see what I'm doing and they appreciate it on that level where they're like, they can see how I did it and the way it made it work. That's like the that's like the sort of like the the musician guys like when they sit there and talk to each other and they're talking shop about stuff like that and they're like talking about i don't even know being in the pocket and all that yeah. stuff and you're like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and the it's like it, it, but it, that there's something else there that's like extra um fun so i love to see how other people do what they do yeah yeah
0: i was just thinking um i don't know why this popped into my mind but eddie van halen mm-hmm. um um rest in peace R-I-T. um Whoops! Oh, oh, I changed my buttons. <laughs> oh no!
1: Poor, poor Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, that's he got for crickets. That's for Eddie. I changed my buttons. Uh, well, that's you um, know no. Uh, oh, no, what
0: I was crickets uh, <laughs> in the <sensory.
1: laughs> Crickets.
0: This is for me. Eddie doesn't deserve crickets. Um, no, what I was going to say is, he couldn't read music. He couldn't read a note of music. do need
1: to know. How no,
0: to I know. I'm just <laughs> thinking to myself though about. Music like knowing how the sausage is made, knowing mm-hmm. how things things are constructed. Mm-hmm. I'm just maybe he is just like a completely different, like on a different level.
2: I, I don't but he, know. But he, but he but he did right. He did know. He he just didn't know how to read the music. But yeah. music is is is, is Indeed, oral. Yeah, he, yeah. he's li- he's listening. He can yeah. hear, and that was what it is for him. Like if somebody wrote down how to paint a painting, right. like that yeah. wouldn't be as interesting. And it, I, I bet it would be similar for him, right? I mean, yeah. not have to put words in that guy's mouth. Yeah.
1: Right. What he said. Yeah. And somebody had
0: posted a video of him the other day playing Eruption, that guitar solo. Um, and oh my God. I was just like, it was like watching somebody channeling, like...
1: A lot of musicians don't I, know how to read music. Is that true? I mean, I don't know how true what percentage, yeah. but there are a number of people who learn how to play their instruments without knowing yeah. how to
2: read music. Yeah. I guess Well, so. did you guys know a lot of people in like in bands when you were younger in your teens and 20s and all that?
0: I didn't. Stomping Jen played in um like I was mar- in high school bands high and stuff. Band, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Cuz I you- had a lot of friends that were in bands. I didn't play in a band, but like and they were all decent and good and I don't think really any of them knew how to read music. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of like teenagers just pick up like a guitar and they mm-hmm. I mean you know how to do that.
0: A little bit, but it like I can only go so far.
1: Yeah, but because you're not you were never interested in taking it to another level. Yeah. But that's um, true. If you had like a guitar when you were like thirteen or fourteen, you probably would have figured out how to play it.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I think whatever part of my brain can continue developing those skills might be locked i'm not sure i Um, doubt that so chris is there anything you won't paint have you ever thought about that like or or wouldn't or would be unwilling to paint i'm really curious
2: Uh, fenway park
0: oh yeah that's right all the murals right (laughs)
1: well he's painting for himself now so nobody's asking him to paint
2: anything um yeah, I, I've had, I, I did, I've done two um, commissions since I started again. And the first mm. one was kind of like an experiment for myself to see how that would feel. And it was from a guy uh, in California who had seen a painting I had done of, uh, it was an action figure that was still in the package and he really liked it. And he had this super duper rare. Um, G.I. Joe action figure. It was like one of like six in the world. And um, mm-hmm. it was like from a, I think it's like a Brazilian um, company that had the license for G.I. Joe. I think it was in Brazil. But anyway, I had never heard of it or seen it before. And he was like kind of skirting around the question, like, um, wouldn't tell me exactly what it was, but he was asking about if I would do a painting of a figure that was still in the package and da da da. And then when he finally told me what it was, I was like, oh, that's really, really cool let me give it a shot. And his, the one that he sent me the pictures of, um, the card was all like, you know, a little bit mangled and ripped a little bit, had some wrinkles. So it looked aged, which was more interesting to me than if it was like mint condition too. So I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'll do it, I'll do it. And the thing that I forgot completely about when you're doing a commission for somebody else is there's a level of stress that happens that you don't put on yourself because you're trying to please somebody else. You're trying to meet someone else's expectations. And you have no idea what their expectations really are. Right. Um, as much as they can describe it to you, you know they're going to get what what you make. And um, it, it's a very it was very very stressful. So like I I definitely um, undercharged on it and worked way harder on it than I probably should have because I was so concerned about making mm. sure that it was, you know, of the quality mm. that I think he might've been expecting and he was happy with it. And it was, it was fun to do, but I was like, Oh, I don't think I'm going to do that again.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you did too, right. You said I you did, did one another. more. Yeah,
2: I did. I did one more. Um, a friend of mine, um, I did a painting of my original copy of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that I've had since I was like 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did a, like a portrait of my book, right? The paperback. And it's all like got creases everywhere. And it's just it looked really cool. And I was like happy to have it. It survived kind of 30 years of my life. And um, I, I felt like I wanted to kind of commemorate it, right? So I did that. And he saw it and really loved it. And he had a copy of, um, he was really into Terry Pratchett. And he had a copy of a Terry Pratchett book that was this particular book that I think his grandmother or his grandfather had bought for him back when he, he, he's from England and it was when he lived in England. And, um, he asked if I would do it. And I was like, that the story was kind of what got me on that one. Like I like Terry Pratchett too. So that also helped. And, um, it was a cool book cover and I actually had more fun doing that one. And I think it was partially because I knew who I was painting it for Mm. and I also, um, appreciated what it was, but I still had that feeling of like, this has to be really really good. This has to be really 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 good. Oh no, you know. And mm-hmm. th- there's a lot a lot of worry there. Mm-hmm. But um, I think he's happy with it too. So yeah,
0: yeah. I'm just trying to think about that as somebody not not uh, you know not an artist who produces things for other people. How you could get around those expectations, stomping Jen, mm. like how you could do commissioned work and you know say well i'm gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get what i give well, you. i don't know how you do that it's
1: it's ugh, sorry i know i keep bringing yeah. up tattoo artists and stuff It's mm. just just because we have so many tattoos and i'm a tattoo collector and um excuse me
2: <gasps> uh, uh.
1: sawtooth frank <laughs> uh, <laughs> is too uh now um but uh, it's that level when you get cu- custom tattoos where you go in, you give them a concept, and they have to come up with something, and you either like it or you don't, or you know whatever. But it, you, that's like many custom commissioned pieces for people; they have yeah. to. Yeah, that's their whole job. Yeah, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, they have really, really hard, hard jobs. Like that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, for them and they you know it's going on someone's body for the rest of their lives and and i you know they all take it very seriously yeah, which yeah. is awesome mm-hmm. yeah you, know, you don't get into that business if you don't really really mean what you're doing yeah yeah
0: and um chris do you have favorite painters um that that you really appreciate or or, or either Artist. dead or alive or Artist.
2: uh yeah so i mean all the greats um but I think that John Singer Sargent is probably my favorite him and um, Hopper, Edward Hopper. I like, I don't paint a lot of people. And um, I kind of like the Hopper's paintings where they just kind of look, they look like they um, exist, but are, there's nobody there. I just, there's something about that quality that I don't know. It's not loneliness necessarily, but it's, there's an atmosphere that's, Possible when there aren't people in in the in the image, but then I do love Sargent and I love his I love his people. I mean, I, if I could paint figures, I would love to be able to paint them the way that he did. Yeah, but I yeah. So those are those are the two biggies. I think you
0: talked about this a little bit, but I want to maybe probe a little bit deeper here. Um, so you have a family, you mentioned that, um, and I'm curious how maybe having, um, a family has changed your relationship with painting and art
2: itself? Huh. so my kids didn't really, they weren't really, our our two oldest kids weren't really, um, aware while I was painting the murals. Like I was doing them and they were really young. So it wasn't kind of it was kind of in the periphery of, of their awareness. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they really knew what I did. I, I would draw I would draw a lot for them. Like that was kind of something that I always did. Yeah. Um, I, I would draw on their lunch bags and I'd draw cartoon characters for them all the time. And I actually did murals on their walls when they were, I think like 10. I did an adventure time mural on one of them and I did a regular show mural on the other one. So they they kind of knew they saw they saw that. I also did graphic design. That was kind of my, my gig for the time I wasn't painting where I was doing like, um, you know, logos and web design and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So they saw me um, sketching things and drawing things like that here and there, but it was never, it was never like it is now. And now, and now we have a 10 year old too. And I think uh, it's been a really great thing and andrea kind of pointed it out to me more than more than i noticed it um and it was just that there would be times where if i'm if, if i'm painting in the kitchen there will be times where one of our kids will come out and he'll start playing the piano because we are piano we have a piano in our kitchen That's awesome. <laughs> but he'll be playing the he'll be playing the piano and i'll be painting and then kind of our other son will just come out and he'll bring out a guitar and he'll start to play and so it's created this atmosphere of um creativity and 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 sort of like letting things happen organically and it's been really great i mean they've both like i said our our middle son is uh he wants to go to art school so he's been kind of coming to me with all these questions about art, which is awesome because we're connecting on that level. Mm-hmm. And then our oldest is, you know, he, he's, he's a musician. So he and I are now, you know, bonding over the bands that we listen to and the music that we listen to. And it's just opened up a lot of conversations. I don't know that would have happened the same way as they are now, um, because they are all, we are all aware of each other's creative kind of existence, right? It feels a lot like when I when I had that place with all of my friends that were artists and musicians, it almost sometimes feels like that again, but with my own kids, which is so awesome. Like yeah. I can't even imagine how, how cool it is or how, explain how cool it really is. Hmm. That's beautiful. That is I cool.
0: love that. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, so switching gears a little bit away from painting, um, I gathered from your Instagram account, which everybody should check out and follow Chris on Instagram. So uh, you can find him on Chris Bordenka on Instagram Um, that you do some sculpting too. I saw a little creature or something that you had sculpted recently.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was, that was a a COVID uh, quarantine time activity uh we were just running out of things to do you know (laughs) so i was like all right let's get some sculpting we're gonna make some stuff yeah Yeah. so that's not anything that's serious i just thought they were fun and i put them up there i have i have an obsession with mad balls remember mad balls Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. uh, um these these guys
1: yep oh Oh,
0: yeah uh, yeah okay Yep.
2: so that was sort of the inspiration for those those sculptures
0: Uh, do you, um, okay. So it sounds like that was more of a fun project. Do you dabble yeah, yeah. in any other forms of, um, artistic expression more seriously, um, than painting?
2: Not now. No. Um, I've tried all kinds of things just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to do a lot of, I used to just make t-shirts a lot. Like I do t-shirt designs and then I put them up online and sell them like that. But now, honestly, whenever I have any time that's like, you, to be able to be used for uh, creating anything, it's just going straight into painting. I just try to—that's where it all gets directed. Mm-hmm. All my focus.
0: Right, so thinking about that focus and kind of moving forward, um, what do you still want to accomplish as a painter and an artist?
2: Uh I—you know—I just—I like when people see what I make. Uh, It's—it's a—you know—I—I know. I, I, I know that's really it. You know, I just want other people to see it. And if they, if they like it, that's really, really cool. Cause I just, I think that I'm making stuff that I like mm-hmm. and I know there are other people who like the same stuff out there. so it's like, I just want to show people like check this out, check this out. Look what mm-hmm. I did. Check it out. Yeah. You know, that's really it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I was supposed to have a show in Amherst mm. from November to December at the town hall. Um, but because of COVID. the situation, all that stuff got canceled. So now in lieu of that, I get to have, uh, like a like a slideshow, uh, on their website, which is, you know, it's still nice. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like I can still get it out there, but that was sort of the goal that I set for the, um, beginning of this year was like, I wanted to try to get some kind of a, um, a solo show to be able to put all, a lot of things in together. Um, cause I had done a bunch of group shows um, mm-hmm. where I'd put a single piece in here and there. Um, and it's always been great, but I was like, you know, I'd, I would really love to be able to find a place to put them all yeah. just to have that. Cause I think that would be so much fun just yeah. to like show everybody like, here's this stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you're not painting, um, what do you like to do for fun?
2: So we do, CrossFit. I just have to include Andrea because I blame her for getting me hooked into that. Uh, Obstacle racing was my other huge hobby that has gone away. So now, um, I mean, I play with my kids a lot. Like we are either, you know, I'm either playing with our 10-year-old a lot or trying to hang out with our teenagers now in a different way than I did when they were little. because when they were little, it was really easy. You know, we could play with toys all the time, but now they're older and now it's like, it's a different kind of fun, but it's still really cool where I get to like show them like the horror movies that I'm into now. And you know, we, the music that we're into, I, I've taken uh, our two oldest to a few shows, like a few concerts together. And it's like, awesome. Cause we're seeing like, they're into the same music that I am and it's not through like me forcing it on them. It's like, they Mm -hmm. also agree that this is good music. (laughs) So we go and see these bands together and that's been a blast, which we haven't been able to do that this year either. But um, that's the kind of thing that I. What fun shows have you been to with them? We saw the Rack and Tours last year in like September and it was so great. And then I, um, my oldest and I went and saw Dan Auerbach from the black keys. He Mm -hmm. did a tour with like his, uh, easy Eye Sound, um, kind of a bunch of musicians, and these are the bunch of older guys from like the fifties and sixties playing like real old school rock and roll like equipment mm-hmm. on the stage it was a hu- it was a huge production. It was really great and uh, that kind of thing. We were supposed to see they might be giants this year mm-hmm. um, with my son Sean or my our middle son, but um, that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm trying to. Think- oh, we saw David Byrne last year too. That was awesome. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah that was great.
0: I think the um. I think I saw a piece of stomping Jen die when we took our, our son to see Tool, oh my God, yeah. and he sat and he kind of just sat down and seemed very disinterested in the
2: whole thing. <laughs> Poor stomping Jen. I don't well, know if you could just drop someone into Tool, but <laughs>
1: uh, well, I mean, I listened to it a lot. They've been exposed to it, and I asked him if he wanted to go, and he was like, "Sure."
0: Although, in all fairness to him, that's kind of how I felt. When you took me to Radiohead and I didn't know any of Radiohead's so, music. So,
1: first of all, all right, this is like an ongoing argument that you and I have because it's ridiculous because we used to listen to, um, what was the name of that album?
0: OK Computer. Yeah. OK Computer. All
1: yeah. the time. I don't remember. In it. college. And like, he swears that he's never heard Radiohead. And I'm like, I don't understand how you never heard Radiohead. You've listened to Radiohead with me.
0: Yeah, A well, you, you dragged me to this concert. It was Chris,
1: amazing. I, it was amazing. I, first I w- of
0: all. was sitting there, kind of looking around, saying, "I, I don't get this. I don't like, understand. I don't know any of those songs. Understand. I don't know any of the I don't songs." Understand? I Listen, know.
1: I took you to um, uh, what's that guy's name that you love?
0: Roger Waters. No,
1: no, 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 no. Last was it last year for our anniversary? The instrumental. No, the instrumental stuff that you love. George Winston. Yeah, George Winston. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That was we good. both agreed it was like it was like a good experience to have gone it was kind of really really like slow
0: yeah 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 all right so here's a question we ask everybody right uh, well not everybody only the good people we ask this question to <laughs> sorry
1: to people
0: sorry to all of you we haven't asked this question to um oh boy. and you can you can interpret this any way you mean to okay um i'm all not right. gonna lead you um, feels heavy. Yep. No. Um, it's very heavy. What have you seen that you cannot explain?
2: Don't. Oh, okay, wait. It. I'm gonna get there. Oh Let me think. I gotta. I gotta give this one a second because they're. Okay. Take your let's time. Let's see. Okay. Okay. This is the one. Okay. Our ten. Our ten-year-old is. He's now ten. Okay. He was. I'm thinking three years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. My family has a place in um Plymouth it was my grandfather's that we go to off and on in the summertime and they had this little diner cafe type place that everybody would go to for breakfast we'd okay. go there all the time so our youngest son I'm thinking he's he's got to be three at this point we're sitting at a table and he goes uh dad can they oh that." At the back of the restaurant, they have crayons and coloring books and toys for kids near the bathrooms. You go out yeah. to the back and go get them. He's totally comfortable going back there, getting them all the time. Not a big deal. He's done it a thousand, thousand times. Yeah. This one day he sits down, it's breakfast time. He goes, dad, I need you to go get toys with me. I, I can't go by myself. I was like, why? He goes, because I don't I don't want to go over there. I was like, why not? He goes, because there's a gray man sitting there. What? And I was like, what are you talking about? So I, like, I look over and there's a table there empty and next to that table is another table and it's full of like elderly people. So I'm thinking like, is he just talking about like old people? Does he think that they're creepy? I don't know what, right? So I was like, sure, I'll go with you, right? And I go walking over and I'm getting the toys and I go, are they, I go right over there? And he goes, no, and he goes right here. And he points to this chair and I look at the chair and there's a, pardon my French, but there's a fucking plaque on the back of the chair that says in loving memory of this dude that went there all the time. They put a plaque on the chair for the guy. So that happens. I'm getting all excited about this one. Yeah,
0: Stomping, right? Jen. Do you so, hear this?
2: We do. We get home. We get home, and and I'm like, we're are keeping it. We're trying to be chill about it, right? With him, yeah. we don't want to freak him out. Right. So we're just like, that happened. All right, whatever. Get home. My brother's at the at the house, and I tell him what happens. So he gets all excited, and he leans over to Will, and. He goes, hey, he goes, what did you, what did you see at the restaurant? And he looks at my brother and he goes, a ghost. (laughs) Oh, we all screamed because no one had said ghost to the kid. He was three years old. It wasn't like we were going, did you see a ghost? You saw a ghost. No one put that word in his head. And it wasn't like we were watching horror movies the night before. It was the middle of July. Like it was that, that sort of like that one got me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> stopping jen
2: that's a good one
0: this is a good one
2: yeah.
1: aren't you glad i asked this question <laughs> yes and you play this spooky music
0: yeah of that's course a, yeah
1: it's not leading yeah. anybody on of course that
0: not. was a great story thank you <laughs> and just so um <laughs> just so people know i want to announce this um yes. on a future episode we are going to be speaking to western massachusetts ghost hunters
2: yes no yes way. they are
0: coming on the podcast to talk to us yes. they are scheduled Yes. So stay tuned for that. Um, all right, Stomping Jen. Why? Chris
1: <laughs> yes. Chris
0: Bordenka, I have to say something. This was a great conversation. I learned a lot.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so I want to just say thank you, Chris, um, for coming on and chatting with us about your art and painting and the process. Um, was there anything you wanted to say um, that we didn't give you a chance to talk about um, before we say our goodbyes?
2: No, I think we nailed it. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me guys. Mm. Uh, I, I, it's funny. Cause I've been listening. Like I said earlier, like I have been listening to your podcast and you have this very comforting, chilled out vibe while I'm listening. So it's re- like, I'll paint while I'm, listening to you so the whole time we're talking i keep looking at the painting and it's just that same feeling is happening right now where i'm like oh this is, this is pretty oh,
0: cool thank you for saying that so yeah thank yeah. you for thank saying you. That. yeah no i appreciate
2: you, you've it you've been there the last few have been super awesome like really interesting that ofrenda uh oh. In, oh. Th- that was so yeah. cool like to just hear how it really didn't start until the 2000s the way that we see it now and mm-hmm. it's just this yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. was a
1: great conversation. And yeah. so it was this one.
0: Yes, it was. Yes. And so listen. Oh, thank you. So people who are listening to this, there's a few places you can go to check out Chris's work. Okay. Right. You can go to Bordenka.com and all of this is going to be in the show notes. Yes. And if you're savvy enough to listen to podcasts, I hope you're savvy enough to go to the show notes and get the links. But um, Chris also has a Facebook page. You can find him there. It's uh, Bordenka Art and an Instagram um, that you can follow on the gram, on as the they gram. say, Stomping Jen.
1: That's right. Not okay. Um, I don't say on the gram.
0: To our fans, I need to <laughs> say something. We love you. Thank you for listening. Each and every one of you, yes. we appreciate that you're out there and listening and yes. just grateful that the soft serve podcast audience continues to grow.
1: Yep. I what hope, can I say? Hope you're all wearing masks.
0: Wear your masks. And I also, I need to give a shout out to another podcast who, huh. I, I, I don't even know what to say about this. They threw us a thank you in their last episode. Um, it is the Circle Opens podcast. It's an episode by episode review of Stephen King's The Stand. Mm-hmm. And I am... Lobbying hard to get the host on to talk to us about that whole process of doing a podcast about a pandemic during a pandemic. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, I don't want to out you with your real name, but please come on and talk to us. Yes. We're really excited. DM us. Um, but anyways, they threw us they threw us a shout out in their nice. final episode. So we just want to say thank you to them nice. for that. Because um, we've talked about how much um, we enjoy that podcast here. And I've been listening to it. I'm not caught up yet, but um, anyways, thank you for that. And um, anything else, Stomping Jen?
1: Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but if it's pre-voting, vote.
0: It will not be pre-voting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Um,
1: I don't know what to say about that.
0: So we hope you voted.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we hope you voted.
0: And uh, we'll see. We might be living through our own kind of apocalypse once this airs. Yeah so um
1: who knows where that where that landed maybe you future people know all it. right
0: people well whatever right. the case is whatever situation we find <laughs> ourselves in we hope you're doing okay we love uh, you thanks right. for listening and um bye now bye now all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed.